Welcome to Factum Agri, dedicated to New Zealand's agriculture industry. Key areas of focus are industry analysis with key stakeholders, policy makers, engagement with farmers and producers, and working to close the rural-urban divide. Farmers work hard. They love the land and are a critical part of New Zealand's fabric. There are many things for farmers to think about, whether it be drought, market conditions and farm gate returns, and increased pressure from the public or policy makers. Working with Postquake Farming, we are taking a look at what farmers are doing to improve their businesses, their biodiversity, their land use and their well-being. Before we get into this week's episode, let's take a look at the current state of play with dairy and forestry. Dairy prices have been among the least troubled by COVID-19 and proven to be quite resilient. That being said, there has been some volatility in prices with some out-of-tune auction results earlier in the year as buyers moved to secure supply up front, with demand then falling away for a short period of time, with dairy prices then making a recovery in recent weeks. Dairy prices remain down on 2019 levels in both New Zealand dollar and US dollar terms, and this coming year's milk price will most likely be below the $7.14 farmers receive for the 2019-2020 season. Forestry prices are now slightly above year-ago levels after falling post-COVID and then sharply rising post the first lockdown. With China weathering COVID-19 far better than most, the sector's heavy concentration from an export perspective has turned out to be a positive this year. The latest New Zealand building consents data also shows construction holding up to pre-COVID levels, which is another boost for the sector. This week on Factum Agri, I take another look at agritourism to get an updated view on the state of play. Craig Wilson joins me on the show. Craig is the Managing Director and Primary Consultant of Quality Tourism Limited. Craig specialises in sustainable tourism development, including strategic planning and implementation assistance, destination and journey development, customer experience management, marketing and brand development, community and cluster development and facilitation. He has 25 years experience in the corporate and consulting environment in both New Zealand and Australia, including 20 years in the New Zealand tourism sector. He was General Manager, Marketing and Acting Chief Executive for Tourism Auckland. Prior to this, Craig was Marketing Manager and Business Development Manager for TransScenic and Area Sales Manager for BP Oil in Sydney, Australia. Let's check in with Craig. Hello Craig, thank you for talking with me today. Oh, you're welcome, Angus. It's great to catch up. Thanks for having me. Please, can you tell me a bit about the work that you do? Uh, Well, I've been an independent tourism advisor for the last 20-odd years and work with uh, various destinations and journeys or trails as well as um, individual businesses in New Zealand who want to develop their uh, tourism product or visitor experience. Today, we are talking a bit about tourism and more specifically agritourism. Before we get into the agri stuff, obviously our borders are currently closed and our international tourism is shot to pieces. How are our tourism operators faring, the ones that you're talking to, and are Kiwis filling in any of the gaps? How are the tourism operators faring? The answer is there's a huge spectrum. You know, there's a a lot that are doing quite well, uh, but there are a a lot that are doing very poorly. And generally, there is just so much work going on by tourism businesses to adapt to what's happened with the closed borders that, uh, you know, there's just not enough hours in the day for a lot of these businesses to keep up with these changes. And some businesses are even doing this um, adaption or adaptation work 
without getting any return, like travel agents who are busily refunding their overseas trips to, to their clients in the hope that one day the borders will open and those clients will come back again. But it's mm. going to be some some way down the track. But I've also been working with with other tourism businesses that are actually run off their feet. So they've got the opposite problem where they can't keep up with demand. Uh, and, and a couple of cycle trails are going through this rapid growth phase anyway. And uh, the border closure has just meant that they're even more popular than they would have been. So, um, so they the and, and and the likes of holiday parks and the, the fact that they're booked absolutely solid over summer uh, or over January for those school holidays. So there are some businesses that are doing very very well, and others who are just seeing zero business. So it's um, but it's creating a whole lot of work regardless for everybody. And the ones that are seeing zero business, for example, is it a geographical issue or is that a sub-industry specific problem? I think it's a more of a sub-industry specific problem. Obviously, people that are specialising in outbound travel, uh, when outbound is not possible, they can't sell their products uh, or services. So um, so some of those travel agents are doing a great job and in, adapting and selling domestic tours so um, instead of you know being on a coach tour for a week around Europe they might be um, very quickly uh, adapting and offering something on a coach tour here in New Zealand so there's a few examples of that but um, uh, yeah it, it's to me it's a yeah it's it's quite sector specific um, yeah. within or sub sector specific within travel mm. Do you think we will see international tourism eventually get back to pre-COVID levels? And if you do think so, how long is that going to take? Obviously, our borders need to be open, but that does not necessarily mean tourists will flood back in, does it? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I, I think, firstly, you know, I've been reading from some economists here and overseas that uh, there is some doubt that we'll see international travel even return to pre-COVID levels, um, and that return might be a recovery over three to five years. Um, so there's a long time for the likes of Air New Zealand to build back their flight capacity. Um, so it's not something that they can turn the tap on really quickly. And even then, you know, uh, there might be the capacity, but as you say, people might be a little reluctant to uh, to travelling long long distances in case of disruption, and uh, I think that uncertainty is just going to make uh, make for an even slower growth pattern. So I've been suggesting to some people it could be closer to five years rather than three years. What about travel bubbles with places like the Cook Islands? Should this already be in place, in, in your view? Do you think? Um, look, I've worked with the uh, tourism sector up in the Cooks, and uh, I actually really love the place and think, you know, personally, I'd love it to be open right now. Um, but there's obviously a need to protect their population as well. So I'm just not quite sure why it isn't open, frankly, uh, because I think it's a relatively simple one. As long as there's only one country flying in and out, um, and that country is New Zealand, then it would be a pretty safe bet. Um, but I think it's um, you know, a little bit more complex than that. If there were going to be planes flying in from the United States uh, and New Zealand, then it gets very complicated very quickly. So uh, I just wish we could uh, create some safe travel bubbles really quickly with Pacific Islands because I know that they're all hurting uh, with, with no holidaymakers having gone there for their busy season, which is our winter. And agri-tourism, 
certainly pre-COVID was developing quite well. Farming is our biggest land use, so it makes sense that agritourism plays a part in New Zealand's overall tourism industry. The potential for agritourism must be significant, surely. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think you're, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, it, agritourism experiences have been developing well, and there are some amazing experiences already available around the country. Um, but I think there's even more potential to offer new experiences to Kiwis who are keen to escape their city life and learn more about country life and really get off that beaten track a little bit more. So, I, I, you know, I do think now is a really good time for farmers to think about agritourism um, and developing something for Kiwis that might be a little bit hungrier to try and look for new things. After all, Tourism New Zealand's got a campaign that says, you know, let's do something new in New Zealand. And uh, there is a real, um, at the moment, a real thirst for looking for new product. Mm. And are farmers seeking your services out? Have you had any kind of engagement or much engagement with farmers in recent times? Uh, yeah, well, I've been lucky in that I've been helping out with a project with uh, Beef and Lamb uh, New Zealand. So um, I've certainly been coming into contact with farmers and, Essentially, I'm in a little bit more of a research phase and wanting to better understand the challenges and opportunities that farmers are dealing with so that we can develop some resources and some contacts um, and a bit of a network that's going to be able to help over the next um, three to five years as we as we do look at that product development side and promoting more, uh, more to New Zealanders. So, um, yeah, at the moment, I'm... I'm engaging but more at a research uh, mm. side and hoping that that will uh, over the next couple of years turn into um, a lot more specific product development projects that will be coming up. Diversification for farmers into something like tourism is in my view a very good idea if it can be done of course. Can our domestic tourism market support agritourism development at the moment or is now a good time for farmers to develop something and wait until our borders open up again? Uh, it's a, I think that's a really good question and the, the view I have is that it now is absolutely the right time for us to be testing and trialling new products. Ironically, uh, uh, Kiwis are actually really hungry for a lot of new product and, and I think we've been caught a little bit by offering products for international visitors that are a little bit more general in their nature, they're um, a little bit more... Um, um, I don't want to say mainstream, but they're a little bit more easily or readily available around big centres of tourism, whereas Kiwis live all over the country and are really keen to get off the beaten track a little bit more because, after all, we've already seen a lot of our own country. So now is actually, I think, a really good time for us to use um, a, a mobile domestic audience as a testing ground for new products. Mm. Um, and then once the borders do reopen, you know, there's a lot of Australians out there that are going to behave like Kiwis and wanting to understand what life's like uh, outside of the, the cities and big towns in New Zealand. So I think that, you know, if we do do some development work now, it's actually going to have a legacy effect and be able to live on uh, when the borders do reopen. Yeah. And just on that development side of things, do you think we as Kiwis want the same sorts of experiences our international visitors seek out. Obviously, Australia, our closest nation, has similar tastes to us, but what about further afield? 
Uh, yeah, look, I think the answer is we're going to need a spectrum of experiences, depending on on people's um, uh, thirst for, for trying to to get to know the country a little bit deeper. So let's even say a, a first-time visitor from Auckland to the South Island is going to want different experiences to a third-time visitor from Auckland to the South Island. And I think that um, repeat visitor um opportunity is something that we need to think about a little bit more because we may even find that we've got more regional visitation for the next five years and we see more Australians wanting to come to New Zealand for the third, fourth or fifth visit, uh, the same way that we see Aucklanders wanting to come to the South Island for the third, fourth or fifth visit. So we, we do need to dig deeper and look for richer experiences that won't just be um, uh, following the same route. So. Uh, I think it is a really interesting time again for us to be um, uh, looking at new product and, mm. um, and, and, and also making it possible for Kiwis uh, to understand um, farming life a lot better. Have you got any data or numbers on how many Kiwis travel per year or leave New Zealand to travel each year? And are those same Kiwis currently travelling throughout New Zealand spending that same amount of money? Uh, look, I think there's, the answer is, well, there's two answers. Firstly, the domestic uh, spend and level of uh, visitation in New Zealand has been, always been bigger than the international spend. Um, so about 60% of, of total spend comes from the domestic market. Um, so, But obviously some um, centres like Queenstown have a great, far greater reliance on the international market. Mm. Um, but uh, as I understand, there's about nine million dollars worth, sorry, nine billion dollars worth of money spent by Kiwis travelling abroad, and some of that is being repurposed into domestic travel. Um, sadly, some of that is being repurposed into getting their home bubbles comfortable, just in case there's another lockdown, and buying mm. a big screen TV and a new bed and maybe even a new car mm. uh, because they want to be travelling safely uh, in the future. But the the one thing about Kiwis is that because they're here um, all the time at the moment um, and we are great travellers, is that there are millions of potential trips a year. And I've read research over the years that said that uh, Kiwis will take somewhere between three and eight overnight trips every year, plus another 10 or so day trips every year. So that's just a huge number of trips that each and every one of us are wanting to take during the course of a year. So it does mean that we need lots of products and services to, to meet that demand. What are some really cool agritourism options out there for Kiwis to do right now that they may not have experienced or perhaps two or three of your favourite companies that you've come across? Yeah, look, I, I um, one of the real bonuses for me in doing some work um, in the agritourism space this year has been um, meeting up with and seeing some absolutely amazing experiences. So, so yeah, my, my favourites, and I'm really keen this summer to... Uh, to enjoy uh, a night or two in a pure pod and another mm. night or two going canopy camping and doing a bit of glamping. Mm. Uh, and I've got a couple of farms um, that I, uh, I'd like to go and stay on. And um, I'm also really blown away by um, a mountain bike park that's been developed on the Middle Hill Station uh, just north of Kaikoura. I think that's an extraordinary place and they've got a... Uh, an amazing option there to camp right on the fault line and uh, 
can't remember exactly what they call it, but I think it's something like camping on the crack, which uh, I think is going to get them a lot of PR during the course of this summer. Um, and then recently, uh, friends of mine that own Blue Duck Lodge, um, Dan and Sandy, um, um, they had a great uh, story on Country Calendar and really promoted just how many uh, strings to their bow they could have uh, when it comes to agritourism, you know, staying in a luxury lodge or a, a very comfortable lodge through to horse riding on the farm and then even jumping on a kayak or a jet boat uh, on the Wanganui River. So, um, and then on top of all of that, the story of the ecological protection work that they're doing at Blue Duck Station, I think is just awesome. So um, to me, you know, I could take the whole summer off and go and visit uh, lots of these places, but uh, um, I'll just have to make do with the uh, limited number of days I can find. Yeah, wouldn't that be great if we could all do that? Yeah. Um, when international travellers do return, I see real potential to continue developing agritourism, not only from a farmer's perspective, receiving a different revenue stream, but also having tourists enjoying a hands-on experience on farm where our food products are grown. Surely this feeds into the NZ Inc. story and brand. Lots of synergies there, I would have thought. Yeah, definitely. I think the, when it comes to provenance and understanding where things come from um, and having the ability to um, actually interact with products and services when they're, when they're delivered at a, at a farm gate um, just makes for a much more um, indelible memory and being able to, um, you know, have that, you know, cherish that memory forever. And I think there's a real lifetime value Um uh, of that connection that's going to carry on. So, um, yeah, I think that we, we've we got an opportunity for um, a greater sense of connection, but also to solve a bit of a problem of this sort of urban-rural divide that sprung up with many more of us living in cities and, frankly, needing to escape that city and, and reconnect with what's real in the country. So, uh, um, yeah, to me, there's there's two wins there one is learning and understanding and the other one is is just escaping back to something that's a little bit more real uh than living in an urban environment and you have mentioned the urban rural divide it's something that i've talked about a lot on on the show over the last few months and i truly believe a lot of new zealanders would really enjoy and benefit agritourism and i believe some of those urban perceptions of farmers might change for the better so i think there is a real opportunity there i also think having a traveler come to new zealand and spend up large and then once they return home, having those same people saying, I've been to New Zealand, I've been on a sheep and beef farm, or I've seen that cheese being made firsthand, whatever it is, it can only be a positive thing. Yeah, absolutely. I, 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 uh, I, I think we've only got to look to businesses like wineries and to see the work that their salad doors can do in terms of delivering that story on site. And, and then the, the, the lifetime relationship that ensues resulting in purchase after purchase, whether that person lives in New Zealand or overseas, there's the ability for some of these wines to, uh, to be purchased for many, many years after the visit. With tourism in the doldrums currently, how important in your view is the primary industry to New Zealand? To me, it's the backbone of the New Zealand experience, along with our culture and and um, and the nature that exists here. So, to me, it's uh, um, a really big part of the essentially the contemporary culture and telling a story of what we do here and how we live here. So, um, it's uh, providing a, a really vivid connection for people to. 
um, what it is that we do. And I think the, the key alignment is um, around the approach that we take to welcoming visitors to the country, as well as to uh, the innovative approach for us to uh, grow or produce amazing products that are exported. Uh, and, and that is that we simply want to do our best. And mm. um, and we're unafraid to try new things or new ways of getting things to markets. So that innovation story is something that within that broader New Zealand Inc. approach has got um, so many opportunities for um, for us to sort of line up the um, the various industries that exist and and tourism in some sense can be a bit of a shop window for for people when they do come here actually learning how good lots of our food and beverage products are thank you very much for your time today craig thanks angus thanks for having me and um yeah i'll look forward to seeing you out on a farm tourism experience soon thank you to my guest today craig wilson a lot of our tourism businesses are struggling particularly those that are tailored to international visitors. An example might be a bus tour operator or a souvenir shop. I was recently visiting a town that historically was driven by international visitors. Whilst I was there, I walked into a souvenir shop out of interest one day at about 4.30pm. The lady behind the counter told me that she had sold one pair of $40 gloves for the day and that was it. The rest of the week had been much of the same for her business. How much longer can she go on for? New Zealanders made more than 3 million trips abroad in the year ended November 2019 and spent $9 billion in doing so. This number is not insignificant and I would like to think those that have taken international holidays on an annual basis previously are spending that same money here in New Zealand. Although my sense is that Kiwi's consumption habits will differ from many of our traditional international visitors. This pandemic has brought significant change and I feel we have a great opportunity to rethink our approach to tourism. If we are looking at sustainability in the agri-sector, then we should also be looking at tourism in the same manner. Don't get me wrong, profitability is critical, but sustainability is also very important. I personally believe we need to increase the value of our tourists and reduce the amount of feet on the ground. I question the value of a tourist coming to New Zealand, buying a $2,000 van, driving around eating baked beans and defecating on our beaches and in our bush, then flying out is what we need. And is that sustainable? I don't think it is. I think all our visitors should be charged a bed tax and I would make it significant to deter the defecating backpacker. Of course, a concession of some sort should be made for short-term inbound business trips and our friends in Australia popping over for a long weekend. That would need some fleshing out. Craig says now is a great time for farmers to be developing tourism products or exploring various options. He says there are opportunities for farmers to work collectively in their respective areas and collaborating with regional tourism bodies developing innovative ideas and product offerings. We have a beautiful country and by international standards we are clean, we are green and we are an innovative and aspirational nation. Our farmers have the opportunity to not only remain the backbone of New Zealand but also be a vital part in our tourism industry. 
farmers leveraging off their primary activity can only be good for their businesses and the environment in which they live and work, but also adds value having visitors understanding the provenance of our food products, which feeds into our overall story and can only be beneficial to NZ Inc. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factor Magri.